0: So today's daf is daf mem dalid. Uh, we did not finish daf mem gimel though. And I believe we got up to daf mem gimel omar Beis ki osa ravdimi omar rabyechanan. Which is, if you look in the uh, thin lines, um, I believe the sixth to last thin line on the daf. The sixth to last thin line on the daf. Um did we get that far? Did we get that far? Um, I think we're maybe, um A little further up maybe, right? The fur uh, by Rav yeah. yeah, that was the final answer. Yeah, you're, there's there's two kiaser ravdimis. So we're going to move up to the previous kiaser Dimis. So move up from where I said six lines. Move up another uh, five lines, four or five lines, to the previous kiyosher abdimi. I believe uh, uh, Robert is correct that uh, the, the last step that we did was Reb Bar Yitzchak, who gave a response that there were different where uh, you're grafting trees with plants. All right, but uh, yeah, I believe you're right. Okay, very good. abdimi amar Yeah, so we're about ten lines before it gets wide from the bottom of mem gimel amar Beiz. Today's learning should be a schos for all of Kla Yisrael, with uh, unfortunately what's uh, taking place in Eretz Yisrael, and uh, should uh, should serve as a schos, lima da taira, taira is the greatest uh, protection that uh, us did have. So let's get going. So let's get harmony we said that there's a difference remember we had a we had a um, contradiction if somebody grafts a tree are they going to go back from battle or not so harmony who holds that if you are grafting trees you do not get sent home and you stay out on the battlefield That's, that is the opinion of rebeliyser ben yakovii because Rebbe Lazman Yaakov says that the word Kerem should be understood according to its simple pshat, according to simple reasoning, which means you plant a vineyard. And it's got to be the original planting. Hachanami, nata kimashmoi. So to over here, planting means, according to the simple understanding of planting, what does planting mean? Naitea in. If you call it planting, you're going to go back from the battlefield. Mavrichum loy. Okay. If you're adding to trees, if you're grafting trees, then lie. You're not going to be excluded from battle. Why not? Again, because people don't call that planting. And you have to take the world, you have to take the word in its most literal form. Seder. Another uh, statement of Rav Dimi. Ben Yaakov. Yauda Pechusa if you have a young tree, a Yalda young tree that is less than a tall. so it's still very very uh, it's, it, it's very, very short. and Rashi says, not only is it short now, it's never going to get much bigger. It's going to be a short tree.. It's always going to have the prohibition of Arla, because it always looks like it's one years old. This is kind of like a Marisaiyandikah idea, right? That you're not allowed to eat from a tree that everybody thinks that there's no way that that's not Arla. Again, Arla is the prohibition of eating a fruit bearing tree in the first three years. So if this tree, even though for the rest of its life, it's going to stay very very short and look like it's in the first year, the Chachamah made a decree to not uh, to to not allow. Eating from that, eating any of the fruit. The Hanimili and this halacha is only true. Okay. That if you have, again, we're now going to be dealing with the five tree idea. If you have two trees facing two trees, and then one sticking out like a tail. Okay. If you have such an orchard, that's considered very, very small, or called that a vineyard, avakule kerem. But let's say you have these these uh, trees that take up an entire kerem. It takes up the it's that we're, whatever it's going to be, we're going to consider it to be an entire vineyard. Then kula isle it becomes known. What do you mean it becomes known? So here we go. If let's say you have five. Not five. If you have three rows, we're going to call it a an, uh, something that has a status of a vineyard. And all the trees in that field, in that vineyard, in that orchard, are small. And they remain small. So it becomes a sight to be seen. People know that they're simply small trees. And then the prohibition of eating the fruit is not going to apply. Again, why don't we allow you to eat from a small tree? Because everybody assumes it's in the first three years of growth. But if it's an entire field, whatever size that is, we're gonna call it three rows that has that size and it's gonna remain that size, nobody's going to assume it's a one year old tree. Everybody's gonna chap, there's gonna be a call, there's gonna be news out there that these are merely small trees, and hence you'd be permitted to eat the fruit. Very logical. ben mace tai arba amas if you have a corpse, a corpse grabs four amos as far as the prohibition of reciting Kriyashma. Rashi tells us there's a halacha. If you're within Dalit Amos, you're within four amos of a corpse, you are not allowed to recite Kriyashma. Tiksiv, as it says, la <speaking> ye <in Hebrew> If you make fun of somebody who is poor, it is considered you are uh, you're going against Takadish Baruchu. This is this is a big big aside. okay? Not only halachically about the prohibition of reciting Kriyashma. This comes up mamish parshas B'har b'chukkayzai. Yeah, in parshas Bahar we know the prohibition of harassing somebody, both financially and with words. And the Torah here is letting me know that the same way you're not allowed to put down a corpse. Why is the corpse embarrassed? Because he can't perform mitzvahs. So you're not allowed to say Kriyashma in a cemetery, you're not allowed to wear your titsis out in a cemetery because of this reason, La Yiglerosh, it's kind of making fun. If you can't make fun of a dead guy, how much more so are we not allowed to make fun of a live person? We're not allowed to cause any sort of hurt through our actions to somebody, who, uh, somebody who's, who's uh, alive and kicking and has these feelings. If you have step brothers and stepsisters that are raised together, they should uh, they're, they're they're forbidden to get married. Okay because people don't know that she's not really a sister. Now Rashi gives an example, Rashi says we're dealing with a specific type of stepsister. And that is when you have a husband with multiple wives and one wife has girls and the other wife has boys or one wife has one girl, the other wife has one boy. They're all being raised in one family and it's not so clear to people who, which one's mother is which one. That's where we say there's a uh, there's a prohibition. But you should know this is not the halacha. People know when somebody's a stepbrother and stepsister, and they know there's no blood relation at all. And since there's no blood relation, it is absolutely mutter, absolutely allowed for a stepbrother to marry a stepsister. If you have a poor person that goes and collects his the fallen grain, the corner of the field and the forgotten grain, and then he brings it into his house and piles it together, he's now going to be obligated in Miser, in tithing. Okay? Why? Sudaka, well, you, well, you, you got it from Hefker, right? The the owner made it Hefker. He's obligated to leave it out for the Aniyim. is gzered the reason is the Rabana Medigzaira, it looks like a scenario of somebody who would be obligated to miser, and therefore you're also obligated to miser. Amar Ula says, This is if he smooths out his pile in the field of Albiir, but if he brings it back to the city, Kala People know that he's a poor guy and he's just bringing all of his uh, collections together and Mamela, he's not going to be obligated to separate Meiser. If you have a young grapevine that is, that is a shorter than a Tefach, S. It is not mekadesh the Zraim. What does it mean? It's not mekadesh the Zraim? So very often the word hekdish is used in a way of holiness. But as we mention often, the literal translation of hekdish is separated. It's separation in um, in an exalted way. And the issue is going to be if you have grapes that are growing a little too close to um, to produce. Call it wheat. So, at what point does it considered klaim? Is it considered a, it considered a uh, forbidden uh, mixture? So, it has to be longer than a tefach. Okay, the honey There's only true But if um, if you have the same thing, an entire uh, entire vineyard, then makdish. It is going to be a problem. Okay, same logic we said before. People people are going to know. That it's really a, a full size. And Rabbi says name of Rabbi ben Yaakov, Top of today's daf. Not only does a corpse grab four amas in the prohibition of saying Shema. Remember, we learned you not let us say Shema within four amas of a corpse. Like La It's making fun of the corpse, so to speak. I could do mitzvahs, and you can't. By the way, just as pause for a moment. Right? What do you see? The tachlisachayim is. What's the purpose of life? Why don't we say you never let it walk? This is Shiloh, My father would ask. More, more of a kasha. If we're nervous about like the rush of the of the corpse feeling bad, why don't we say you're not let it go within four hours of a corpse? The corpse should be jealous that I'm alive and he's not. terence says a corpse isn't isn't jealous. A dead guy is not jealous that you're breathing and he's not breathing. He's jealous that we're performing mitzvahs. That we're, we have the opportunity to recite Kriyat Shema, and he can't recite Kriyat But just the fact that I'm breathing, yeah, not jealous of that. It's not enough. And we say this in the, the last bracha of the fifteen morning blessings. We say We don't say Amen, just for waking up in the morning. Where's the ikr bracha? Where's the main bracha? Of course, it's a it's a tremendous uh, it's a tremendous bracha to be able to breathe and to and to be alive. But the Iker Bracha, the main thing is, once you get into the Yeratsan, Yeratsan Mofanecha, right? we're talking about leading a more of a productive and constructive life, that's where we give the ultimate Amin to the Tachles Ha'chaim, and that's what's happening over here as well, with like the Rush, the, the corpses, them, we can cover them four Amas, and not perform mitzvahs, that he's not, he's not jealous of, he doesn't embarrass, but uh, when it comes to reciting Kriya or Titzis. That's already likely rush. Over here, let's get into this. Also, maize typhus arba amas A maize gives off four amas for tumah. and our tana taught us If you ha- very often they had courtyards leading up to the general area of the graves. If you stand in that general courtyard, you're going to be Tahar. Okay, why is it going to be tohar? So here's the deal: what the what. Um, the mafarshim explain. Rashi here explains, in the other rishonim, is that even if you're within Dalit amas, but if it's noticeable, then you're that you're in a separate part. That's also not going to make you tummy. Uh, but the courtyard itself has to have at least four amas to be its own mukam to be its own place. The Rebbe Shammai, Rebbe says, "Are All you need is four tvachem for it to be considered its own place, and you're going to remain to tohar. When do we say this, When you go in from above, okay, means you're going, you're lowering yourself down to the area of the graves, but if you're going in from the side, now back then they had these graves that were like, built into caves shtickle like underground, so they would build these pathways to get there so if it's if you come in from the side, then amos, everybody agrees that the Khzer has to be at least four amas in order to remain in order to keep its um its own muko in order to keep its own status and to allow the person to remain to her says the Gemari, I don't understand clapeya which. It's an expression of, what are you talking about? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Adrava just the opposite. Men atzah, let's say you go from the side, Midrid Vinofik, he's going to be Madrid to move away uh, and walk and walk out. Meaning if you have a side entrance and exit, there's no concern that you might step over the graves at all as you're lower, as you're walking down, and therefore you should stay tar. But if you're coming in from above, guess what? It's not possible that at some point he's going to have stepped directly over the graves, and if you go directly over the graves, we know that a person, that a person steps on a grave becomes tommy. So why is it that if, if from the top you're tar, from the side you're tome, it should be fakir? Ella, rather says the Gemara, you're right. When you go from the side, then the four Amas will keep you tar. The, um, the, the four Tfachim will keep you tar. But if you go from the top, then you need Arba Amas, you need at least four Amas uh, for it to be considered a, a uh, separate area to keep the person tahar. And this is also dealing with Chatzar the where, mesaima um, Metzilosa, where there's Mechitzas, where you could see the difference between where the Chatzar is and where the graves are. However, if you have a regular person who's buried there, and it's not specific to like where people are in the courtyard and where people are actually buried then always the mace is going to extend its tumma for Amos. Okay, period, beautiful, two dots. End of that part of the Mishnah. Let's move on to the next part. And that is, we said in our Mishnah that the Kayin who is appointed over the battle, what does he say? Any man who had irisin on a woman and not yet nisuin, so he's also going to go back home. Now let's remember... All these people need to show up. Remember, there were three categories of people, three, three, different, three different groups of men of eligible age. Some men went and actually fought. Some men went to the battlefield and then were sent home. And some men didn't even go out to the battlefield. A person who had arisen and not nassu, and he went to the battlefield, and he helped with the morale, and he took care of fixing the roads and making sure there was enough water and, and provisions. And then he would uh, he would be sent back home. Tan and the rabbis learned, and so should we. Asher eras. If somebody was in arus, he had erasin step one of marriage. Echad amaris, doesn't make a difference whether he did erasin on a besula on a woman who's ever been married before. Echad al whether he had erasin with a woman who had been married before. Vechad is yavam or if he is connected to a yavam. So a yuvama, right now, you cut the yuvama, you didn't actively create that. That is something which there is a start of marriage uh, that's already there. It's actually a little stronger than a, an than a Erisin in, in some ways. And even if you have five brothers and one of them have already died in battle, all of them are going to go back for this one Yuvama. It says he has not taken and he has not taken her, which excludes which he does not leave, again, these are all prohibited marriages, so even though it's a valid marriage, the marriage is in existence, he does not leave, all these people, if they have irisin, in any of these marriages, they remain on the battlefield, let's say this does not agree with the Rabbi the because if it would be following the pin of her Yisraeli, basically taught us v'rach of anybody who's afraid. anybody who's nervous. Why would you be afraid and nervous to go into battle and fight for Klal Yisrael? Because you got avidus. I have sins. I'm concerned that perhaps I'm not going to have the protection. So you see from over here that if a person's married to a widow, uh, uh, a kain gogel's married to a widow, or a kain's married to a divorcee, or a mamzeres nesin li yisrael, where there's averus, they will leave because they're going to be afraid of the. Uh, rep- uh, they're going to be afraid that they don't have the proper merit of, of battle. So why are you telling me that they don't leave? You see, they should just by the mere fact that they're sinners. A tamer beis aglii Yom Rabbah says, If you have a Kohen who does erisin on a widow, guess what? He's not chayiv. He's not obligated on the transgression. Until they actually live together, have relations as husband and wife. Just putting a ring on the finger doesn't create the chayiv, doesn't create the obligation. It's the living together. Matam meaning why can't a kohen gago marry a widow? Mishum layechalal, so that he should not be machal, referring to the cohabitation. So until they actually have relations together, he has not been mechal. Mishum hachi, and therefore ain't I He's not going to receive malchus. Ah, So you see from here like this: you have a kohen who did eresin on a widow. We're not going to call him a sinner yet. He's on his way to doing an avera. Because once they have Nisuin, they're going, to, they're going to live together. So, what would be the whole Shiloh? Why would he leave? He's not a sinner yet. The only reason why he would technically leave is because he's an Arus. He's in the first stage of marriage. And the Bryce is therefore letting us know that even Arison of an Amadoka Khan were you not yet Chayef and Malchus, you're still not exempt. You're not going to leave the battlefield. Fascinating. You're on your way to do an Avera. That's already enough for us to tell you this relationship is not cool. Not a cool relationship. You're not leaving. Okay. The rabbis learned, and that's why the rabbis, Asher Bono, any person who built a house, Asher Nata, who planted a vineyard, Asher Eras Ur is in Aruslam, the Torah Deracharets. The Torah is teaching us Derech Eretz. What's Derech Eretz? The way to live. Derech Eretz, literally, if you translate it, it means Derech, the path, the way. Eretz of the land. We're expected to live, it's what they call the, it's not completely it, but there's a fifth chilek of Shulchan Aruch, which doesn't exist, but does exist, right? We know there's four parts to Shulchan Aruch. The fifth part to Shulchan Aruch, literally, is the spirit of the law. Knowing what Hashem really wants us to do. Even if it's not written specifically there. That's what we call the fifth chalik <coughs> of Excuse me. One of the things Yabani Shalom wants us to do is live with Derech Heretz. Live within the things that are normal, expected, standard. Now what's normal? The ways of Hashem. That's what's normal. So let's get into this. What's normal? I'll tell you what's normal. Sheyibna adam Ba'yas Vitakar. Person builds a house, plants a vineyard, then afterwards gets married. This is the way that a person should move along in their life. Yeah, this is how it works. First, you build a house, then you plant a vineyard, and then you get married. What does it mean? You set yourself up for life. First, you make arrangements, make sure you have you could have a roof over your head, make sure you could live, you could have a parnasa, and then you take on the responsibility. Of a family. Prepare your work outside. And then afterwards build your house. Prepare your work outside. Zabai is referring to first you build a house. A vineyard which is Parnasa. Okay. Afterwards you could, you're ready to support a family. Another approach is referring to Torah, the Psukim of the Torah. It's referring to Mishnah. Mishnah is what the Torah produces. Those are the trees of the field. Torah produces. It's referring to Gemara. Another way to Darshan these Psukim. That's referring to Chumashem Mishnah is, the Gemara, it's referring to Gemara, Elu Maisim Taivim. That's referring to taivim. Okay? That if you in order to really have this is such a beautiful idea, you can't truly have mysum taivim if you don't understand taiv. Because at a certain point, a person's morals and ethics are going to be subjective to society. And my meisim taivim may, may very well not be meisim taivim. Things that I think are good deeds can be the greatest transgressions. The way to truly know that my meisim taivim or meisim taivim, that my good deeds are actually good, I have to have a background in Torah. If the Torah says this is something that's good, it's good. Is something that's not good. So then, uh, so then uh, it's not good. That's an objective approach. And I know that my meisim taivim, my good deeds, are actually good. The Torah You'll get a more robust understanding of Torah. Okay, beautiful. Two dots. There's so much to speak about over here, but have got to do the daf. Hopefully we'll have enough time to finish the parak over here at least, uh, maybe even go weiter. The following, people do not leave battle. If you build, like, a, if you build a, a fence or a shed, we learned, if he adds a um, uh, little bit of, of, we'll call it, like, like an extra room to his house, you make a little addition around your house, you will leave and go back. Because again, it's temporary we learned and their homes wouldn't last for more than three and a half years. And even if it did, it was certainly twice every seven years. You could have it sometimes five years and two years, four years and three years. But their homes were constantly uh, uh, being rebuilt and therefore uh, there was nothing uniquely special about it that, was, that their mind would stay on the house and impact their fighting and therefore they would stay out on the battlefield. And the following people don't even go out to the field. If you already moved into the house but didn't live there for a year. Tonra, one of the rabbis learned and so should we. isha HaDosha. I only know that you have. if you have a new wife meaning a woman, we're assuming. Maybe it means literally a woman who was never married. How do I know it means a new wife for me? I'm on a grush how do I know that? Let's see, she's a widow or a divorcee, and now I marry her. How do I know that I stay home, even though she's not a new wife to the world, but she's a new wife to me? Any wife. What does a new wife? New to him. Okay. Anytime somebody's on his second marriage to his first wife, so he's not going to be. Um Exempt. Tana of the rabbis learned, and that's why the rabbis they Yitzi Batsava, you should not go out in battle. Yochov Batsava, who do I Yitzi? I would say he doesn't go out into battle. Avol Yavsek, myimumazim, but he should at least show up like the other group to give water and provisions. Be sucking at Racham, fix the road. Dama lemer v'le Yabra love the whole davar. Yeah, at all, he's not involved at all in the army. Yochov Shani Merabe Afabine Bayis v'lechanochoi. Maybe these people also shouldn't even go out to battle. Tamad Laimar, a love, only him, this uh, only uh, this fellow, who had Nesuin and didn't live with her for a whole year, he doesn't go out to battle. A love But everybody else, granted, they're going to ultimately be sent home. But for the time being, they need to show up. And be the, uh, sit on the bench and take care of everybody who's involved in the battle. And now that we said that this fellow, who's in his first year of Nisuin, moving in with his wife, he's not involved at all, if he's not involved at all, why are you going to tell me he doesn't go out to battle? Why are you going to tell me he's not part of the army? You just said, he does, he's no involvement, it's redundant. And to so the Gemara: Lavar alav b'shnei lavim. You're right; it's redundant. But sometimes the Torah does that. You know why? To place two transgressions. What does it mean two transgressions? If you do show up, if you show up to battle, it's a transgression. You're not allowed. You have people who say, "I don't care." You hit us. You have somebody in his first year of Nisun His mom is beauty. You have somebody who's in his first year of Nesuin. It's shonari shonari and he hears there's a battle. He's a big tough guy. He says, "I'm going." They say, "Listen, this guy, sweetie, your putter." He's like, "Yeah, I'm going to be there with my people." The Torah places two transgressions on him for showing up. Yeah, two transgressions. You now let us show up. I'm sorry. You have a you have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to your moshvacha. You take care of your wife. It's not time to be a tough guy. It's not time to take care of the rest of Klal Yisrael. It's a time to be home with your family. And we have to know this for ourselves. Right now, we don't have the army. Bez Hashem, Mashiach comes. It should be today, Bez Hashem. But there's, uh, you know, we'll have opportunity for this. But in the meantime, the Torah is giving us a message. There's a time for family and a time for outside the family. And when you're in China, it's a iser, it's a transgression. To at times to put others' needs before one's own mishpach. Okay. We are now six lines from the bottom. We are up to the Mishnah. And we're continuing on the halachas of battle. This is the final Mishnah in our parak. Let's get going. And the the shaitrim add on, and they speak to the people. Akiva says, "Yari What he tells people is, if you're scared and you have a weak heart, nervous, you should leave. Says Rabbi Akiva, it means literally anybody who's the, anybody who's scared, just leave. You know, there's some people they push it, they can't handle it. It's it's craziness out on the battlefield. The noise explains exactly what you're going to be going into. And if you can't handle it and you're scared, go home. Basically, the Yomer, No, it doesn't mean somebody who is, what's it called, queasy? Yeah? Somebody who's, right, like, uh, can't handle battle. It's referring to people who are nervous about their averus. They're scared. If I go into battle, I've I've got Averis with me. Therefore, the Fika therefore Talsa Bayataira called call Eloh are Big lolon The Tyras Tyla all these all these things. The Tyra hangs all these all these things. Sheyaksar Big lolon so that the person does a virus can also go home. This is Mamish a beautiful idea, says so you basically listen to this. <coughs> Excuse me. When we say all sinners leave. Guess what? They left at the same time as people who planted vineyards, as people who planted, uh, who built houses, people who got married. This way, nobody really knew why everybody else was leaving. So we added it in together. Put it together, says you basically. Everybody had a valid excuse. Seder. you are going to go back home. But it wasn't public knowledge as to why he left. It's not like anybody who's... Uh, Who's newly married in the Sue and, su- and Shalib, and they all leave. It's not the way it worked. He would put everybody together, and then all the categories would leave at the same time. Because these are Averis. And this is the Pasuk in the Torah. When they finished speaking to the people, then they would start appointing officers. Over the groups of soldiers And they were also The officers would stand both um, In front And behind Why in front? Some led us into battle The ones behind, Rashi says were there to make sure people didn't leave Now the reason why we didn't want people to leave Says the Gemara to, Says the mission to explain We would put officers in front of them To make them strong he put them behind and With, with, uh, with uh, metal uh, Spears when People, if, if you had any Yidin That wanted to desert The army They were allowed to hurt their legs So that they couldn't run away Why? Why were they allowed to stop them From running away? You hear this? You're allowed to hurt another yid listen to listen to this, because it's not right for you to leave when you're afraid if it's going to hurt the morale of the rest of the army when they see other soldiers leaving they're going to be like oh, game over. You have a team of 11 players on a football field and five quit. How, what are the other six going to do? It's not fair. It's, it's uh, not fair. It's not like a kick. But not fair. It's, it's an abeiri, you can't do it. You don't quit, you keep playing hard. You don't, you, don't, you don't leave. Now they didn't kill them, but they would make it that they couldn't run away. Because a person who runs away is mamish considered like they are killing Klai Yisrael by hurting the, the morale. plishtim They're angry from the plishtim. It was <speaking in Hebrew> It was a big plague for the people. Allah so you see that once people start running away, that's what leads to the, uh, to the loss of, uh, in battle. When do we say these halachas? This is referring to a mochamas We'll see soon what that is. What is considered a battle, an optional battle. However, If there's a where there was an obligation to fight, Rashi says, like when Klal entered the land of Israel with Yehoshua, every man was obligated to fight. So over there, Even through the middle of their chasna, standing under the chuppah, everybody went out to fight. Nobody was exempt from battle. Amr of Yehuda says no. Where are all these halachas of who stays, who goes, who's 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 exempt but khamis mitswa that is by al khamis mitswa by khamis rashosh by a optional battle um uh, i'm sorry by khamis mitswa by khamis khaybar what when it comes to a uh, a khamis khaybar in obligation war ha qali yezn fil khasan me khadari the kala may khu pasa okay now this is interesting because if you look at the First by Medavar Murim it says When it comes to Mochemas reshus And a Mitzvah The is giving us a different category He says Mochemas Mitzvah and Mochemas Chaiva First it says an optional battle And a Mitzvah battle And here we're saying A, a obligatory battle And a Mitzvah battle So what is Reb changing? The Gemara is going to get into this Alright here we go Says the Gemara what's the difference between the opinion of Rebbeisi okay? Aglili according to Rabbi Aglili if you're concerned about rabbinical sins then you go back home according to um you're not going to go back home why where do you see that from <coughs> because Rebbeisi's examples of sins are specific to biblical laven like a kain married to an almana, a Kaya married to a Divorcee, he gives specific examples of things that are So the assumption is that only that if you're if you're transgressed biblically, you leave Rabbinic not. Another one says, no, any sin. The Tanakhama holds any sin, you're going to leave. Okay. <laughs> Who's the following Brisa going like? Soch ben le listen to this, this is beauty. If a person talks between his placing on his arm tefillin and his head tefillin we know that it's one long mitzvah, the arm tefillin and the head tefillin a lot of Torah on this Okay, there's a lot of concept in and of itself one bracha, two brachas but the bottom line is that because of the concern that the tefillin Shalyad, the arm tefillin and the head tefillin are all one mitzvah you're not allowed to speak between putting on the tefillin, what if you do Averi Hibiyadeh it's a rabbinic Avera. And for such a sin, you're going to leave battle. If you're the type of person who speaks, between putting on your arms, on headphones, and even that sin, you'd be like, you go home. Keman, Who does that follow? It follows, because again, he basically said, even a rabbinic sin, you're going to leave for. Who's the, who's the Tana of the next bryson? If you hear the sound of the horns and you get nervous, or the banging of the, uh, the, the shields, the metal, and it makes you nervous, and Rashi says, when you, you're the type of person when uh, you, you see opposing enemy, It causes you to feel the urge to use the bathroom to relieve yourself. You go home. Maybe it's following Rabbi Akiva and not Rabbi Akiva because again, Rabbi Akiva our Mishnah said, what does it mean? What does it mean if you're afraid or you have a faint heart? Rabbi Akiva said literally, like you're scared. If somebody's scared, they go home. So it seems to be Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Isaac, the Mishnah said, "No. What does it mean? Scared? You're scared of your sins. Over here, it says, if you're if you're physically scared to a point where you can lose control over your bowels, you go home. So that seems to be Rabbi Akiva. It means physically scared, not spiritually scared. The says, no, Baha. In this case, where you have somebody who is frightened of being a metal, I feel Rabbi Yisachar might, Rabbi will admit." will agree. He goes home. Why? See, once they went to battle, we had officers behind making sure nobody deserted. But prior to going into battle, if somebody were to tell us, I'm not cut out for this, we're going to say, fine, go home. Very safely, will agree to that. Why? Because if somebody's scared, they're going to hurt the morale of the whole battlefield. So you shouldn't be there in the first place. So if you're the type of person that can't handle it, we'll say go home. If it's the type of person that I know I can handle this, and I go out into battle, and I'm all pumped up, and I'm macho about this, and I know I don't have sins, and I'm not afraid, then once you're out in the battlefield, you're not going nowhere. But if you're, again, if you're nervous, as we're not going to even let you on the battlefield. You will go home, because it's not, once you have faint-hearted people, it's going to cause everybody else's heart to melt. Okay. Next two dots, and it was when the officers would would uh, finish speaking to the men out by the by the field. We said in our Mishnah, Nefila falling for an army is when people start to run away. It should say, the beginning of falling is Nisa, is running away, We're asking The Gemara is asking on the order of the statement. See, we said in our Mishnah that the reason why they didn't let people run away is because the beginning of running away is the downfall. Says the Gemara, no, it should really be written opposite. The beginning of the downfall is when people start running away. The so Gemara says, you're right. That's really the proper expression of the Mishnah. Okay. Let's get into this. Remember, we had different expressions. We had the Tanakama, the Rabbonon gave us an expression of Muhammad's Rashos and Mohammed's mitzvah. Optional battle, a mitzvah battle, and obligatory. And, 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 and says, mitzvah, obligatory. What's this? Umr Bihan says, Rishus Rabbanon A reshus of the rabbanon, meaning of the tanakama, what do they mean by an optional battle? Zuhi mitzvah de Rabbi Yehuda. The, 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 they mean the same thing when Rabbi Yehuda says a mitzvah battle. Mitzvah de rabbanon. Zuhi chayvah de Rabbi Yehuda. And when the rabbanon say mitzvah, that's referring referring to the chayv of Rabbi Yehuda. Okay? Meaning, everybody ultimately is in agreement as to the halacha. This is fascinating. The machoite rabbanon and Rabbi Yehuda is simply how to name the different types of battles. When the Rabbanans say mitzvah, Rabbi Yehuda says better to use the word chayva. And when the Rabbanans say reshus, Rabbi Yehuda says better to use the word mitzvah. Amar Rava, Rava says, by the battle of Yeshua to come in and conquer Yisrael, Divrya, chayva, everybody agrees that that would be called chayva. That would be called an obligatory battle. That's an obligation Excuse me. Mohames based David, but by the battles of David, Lirvacha, which was to expand Eretz Yisrael, Divrei Akol Everybody will agree that we're going to call that a Roshos. We're not calling that a mitzvah. Certainly not a chayvah, not an obligation. We're not going to call it a mitzvah either. We're going to call that a Roshos. Keep pligi. Where's their machaikas? Lem ute yavde kechavim when we have a when there's a battle against those who are worshiping idols, because of a concern that they're going to impact and cause downfall to Klal Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, Mar Kari Mitzvah Umar Kari Le This is something where there's a concern about the spiritual downfall of Eretz Yisrael and Klal Yisrael. So, when you're going into battle for such a thing, tell we have a machoit how to refer to it. Is it called a rishos? Is it called a mitzvah? Nafkamina? La isik ba mitzvah, min ha mitzvah. Yeah? Whether or not a person who's, whether it's considered isik ba mitzvah, patr min mitzvah, meaning if you're calling this a mitzvah, you're going to be patr from any other mitzvah. You're involved in this battle, we're calling it a mitzvah. You're not going to be uh, allowed to leave battle to go daven chakras or to involve yourself in any other mitzvah. But if you call this battle a rishos, then you still have all the mitzvahs that come your way. You're obligated to pause your rishos, to take care of these mitzvahs. Allah,. Everybody who finished the Halliga eighth parak me, of Misita. And let us just uh, quickly uh, get into the next parak. Let's go on the Mishnah together. And then, B'ez Hashem, on Mati Shabbos, we will restart the parak. Alright? Now, this, this parak is going to introduce us to a fascinating halacha, which, is, which comes up in the end of Parsha Shoftim. And uh, as I've said before, this halacha has a special, uh, I have a special connection with this mitzvah, with this mitzvah because my Bar Mitzvah Parsha is Parsha Shoftim, and the Maftir of Parsha Shoftim is referring to the Agla Rufa. So what happened was, that uh, if you ever find a, a Jewish body, a, a, a corpse that is killed outside of city limits, and we're not sure where the murderer is from. So the Torah tells us that the, uh, they would measure the nearest town, okay? The elders and the judges would measure the nearest city, and the Besden of the nearest city would bring an egla arufa would would, would bring an egla, bring a calf down to the valley had to be unworked land, and unworked calf there's a lot of halacha surrounding it and they basically would proclaim that there's no way, shape or form that this corpse died because of our lack of taking care of him or her see very often when somebody is harmed it can be that preemptive measures may have helped. If somebody knows that they're cared for, if somebody knows that they have a network, they'll have more muscle in the game. If somebody doesn't feel they're taken care of, and that somebody's looking out for them, they're much easier to give in. We know this factually when it comes to medicine. There are certain procedures that hospitals will do to save a person only if that person has a support system once the procedure is done. Otherwise, they won't even try. They know there's no chance. It's fascinating, it's a fascinating idea, fascinating concept. People need emotional support. So the Besdin goes out and says that we our city gives emotional support to travelers and to people who walk through our city. Okay? So let's get into this. Says the Gemara, says says the mission. I'm sorry. Eglarufa Blashna Kidesh. All the all that the Bezdin says about Eglarufa is done in the Hebrew language, in the holy language. Shinamarki Matzi Khal Badama. If you find a corpse on the ground, the Yatzu Zignachov the Shaiftacha and the Zikanim and the Shait and the Shaiftim go out and they see which city is closer. Sliceem Bebazna, Golosh, they would take three members of the Sanhedrin says it wasn't three members, it was five members The word zikey refers to two Shavtecha is also shnaim vein You're never allowed to have An even numbered bezdin uh, Why not? Because then you can end with a hung jury Right? You can end with hung judges So we always make it odd So that we know we're walking away with a psaq If you have five, you can have three verse two you have four, it will be two, verse two. So we know you need two from Zikanecha, two from Shaiftacha, and then Bein Shakul. There's a rule. You can't have an even number Bezen. So it brings it up to five. Nimsotamam Magal. Let's say the body was found covered in a pile of stones. Aytala be or Nebuch, the person was hung. Okay? <coughs> um, Whole Shiloh over here we'll get into whether it's literally hanging or not. But okay. Let's translate it like this for now. Or the body was floating uh, on water. Okay. They wouldn't uh, do the arufa. They wouldn't give a blow to the back of the neck of the calf. Why not? As it says, on the land, not in a pile of stones. Nifel fallen. What does that mean? Not hanging, in the field, and not floating in uh, uh, on water. If let's say the body was found near the edge, the border of Eretz Yisrael, or it's the closest city was a non-Jewish town, or let's say there's no Bezdin in that city. <coughs> also, they would not. Uh, give a blow to the calf. They wouldn't do that Rather, what would they do? They would always measure from the nearest town that has a bezden. That's how we're going to translate it. Now, the gemara is going to ask because the mission doesn't say that specifically. It's like it seems like it's a new statement. Then, but if you take it in context, we're going to understand that. Now, we'll see if, how the gemara comes out with this. But let's assume right now that if. You you only have rufa from a, if the nearest city has a bezdin and if there's no nearest bezdin the nearest city right now we will understand that that so what do you do you measure to the nearest town that has a bezdin okay we'll hold it here for today have a beautiful beautiful Shabbos everybody the Hashem on Motzi Shabbos we will pick up it's gonna be uh, getting a little later we'll pick up at nine forty five p.m. Motzi Shabbos zagebenst take care.